Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Peace and blessings, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Priest. Today is October 23rd, 2019. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we are here with another Keys to the Kingdom Bible study. So today's topic is minority report and I want to talk about briefly some of the things that we learn in the nation and I want to dispel some of these sovereign myths but also I have a spiritual challenge for you today to go within self and to examine your own consciousness, your own reasoning abilities. So I see that we have Mr. Lynn and Brother E.K. on the line. So my minority report, listen to this, listen to this. There's a movie called Minority Report, and hopefully I'm going to explain this correctly, but I think that you should hear about this. So basically, uh, I haven't seen it in many years, but it's basically they try to stop you from doing a crime before you do the crime. Mr. Lynn, have you seen this movie? Lama, yes, sir. I, I've definitely seen that movie. Am I remembering correctly that they try to stop you from doing the crime before you do the crime? Exactly. So it's a kind of uh, futuristic profiling where they've actually implemented this concept of the thought police. Right, so uh, Tom Cruise yes. plays the, the lead role. Yes, the thought police. Hmm. Well, I have a quirky way of going about things, but brothers and sisters, to those who are listening on this recording in the future or whether it be live. What I'm going to say, hopefully, will allow you to police yourself and allow you to police your own thoughts by bringing this into memory 
to stop you from doing any of those crimes that you may be thinking about doing in the future. <laughs> that makes sense, EK. <laughs> Shalom, brother. Yes, sir, it does. Um, you know, just pulling the thread a little bit with the with the movie, um, it kind of, in a lot of ways, and we may go into this much further in, in, in the call, but um, in a lot of ways, it talk, it, it kind of correlates with what uh, the Roman Norvis Jesus had mentioned when he was saying that um, if it's already in your heart, you already kind of committed the act. If you thought about it in enough where it was already thought about and you was already going to do it in, in the first place. I know there's a scripture that, that people may be familiar with what I'm referring to, but in the movie, it's almost like how... <laughs> It's almost like it's kind of trying to intercept that uh, that process of that act being carried out. So even though the thought may be conjuring up, it's like before it even bubbles up to the surface of you becoming a conscious thought, it tries to suppress the act. But in reality, it's trying to stop the action. But it's just kind of going a little bit deeper in terms of pulling what the woman of his Jesus was saying that if you was, uh, you know, lusting after a woman or something like that, committing adultery, if it was that, if that was already in your heart and you was thinking about it, you already committed the act before you even actually committed the act. But in this movie, it's kind of showing how it's trying to step in and try to prevent that from happening all, all, all in totality. So it was just kind of interesting how you know, there's some kind of correlation there, you know, so that's kind of what uh, kind of stuck out, Brother Nayu. Thank you for that. What are your thoughts on that, Brother Land? Shalom. Um, the only thing I can say to that is, uh, I mean, well, first of all, that makes, um, that makes complete sense. Uh, but you know just dealing with the concept of um you know you've already I think that uh, i'm paraphrasing the scripture i don't have it in front of me but uh you've already committed uh the sin in your heart right so you know with with what we um you know learn you know in our instruction within the university uh, within this nation you know the first thing that we get a clear understanding on is is the fact that the instruction is designed to really um, help you renew your your mind and to renew your way of thinking. And I think that scripture is really driving home um, the importance of uh, being able to control your heart, and not even and not just uh, that, you know, being able to really have your 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 heart circumcised so that you can think things that keep that that actually uh, keep you from falling into you know those those sad circumstances you know really it, it's drawing a drawn on the importance of uh, being able to condition ourselves mentally um, to be you know in a, in a in a good place even though we may not be in that good place physically, you know, if, if we can keep our mind stayed on, uh, you know, that which is 
um, promoting both uh, spiritually and otherwise, you know, will eventually get to that destination. So uh, those are my thoughts on that, Brother Ayo. Thank you for that, sir. Uh, side note, you remember that saying, the only thing to fear is fear itself. Well, let me tell you something about us. We are scared of our own shadow. We have been so miseducated by the people who are calling themselves the most knowledgeable and the most educated amongst us. That in the name of love, that they are destroying their own people. This system that we are in in America was not invented by Romans or Caucasians, but it is in their hands and it is in their control right now. For those who identify or recognize themselves as woke or conscious, please don't be offended by these words. But the more that you think that you know, now I'm not trying to sound like I know so much, but the more that we think that we know without, without having sound practical reasoning, the more arrogant and puffed up we get and the further and further away we get from the truth. Now, there's a scripture that describes this. <laughs> um, ever learning, never coming to the knowledge of truth. So we call ourselves studying second well this is second timothy three and seven ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth and we have all these people that are always claiming to be studying always claiming that they have new knowledge and it's unfortunate that they look down on the scriptures and, oh, that's just white man's book. I mean, it would behoove us to uh, to talk to those of us who have studied these scriptures, who have lived these scriptures, not under the influence of Romans. Some of us have carried this knowledge before we even came in contact with Romans and Europeans, and if it's, it has been passed down to us. So here's the, the, the first thing I want to put on your mind. Listen to me good now. If everything that you do, everything that you propagate, hear me good. Everything that you look at and post on Facebook and claim is true. Everything that you repost on Facebook claimed and you claim is true. What if every post, every word 
and everything that you propagate, what if you were brought to trial? And not only brought to trial, but if you're found guilty of propagating and spreading lies, you are put to death. So every time you claim a anything, be it a conspiracy, or the government is doing this or that, or these people over there are doing this or that, this secret knowledge that you didn't know and I'm about to enlighten you on, every single one of those things that you do, you are brought to trial. And if you are found that these things are untrue, you are put to death. What are your thoughts on that, brother? Minister Lynn. Uh, well, I mean, you know, initially, um, and knowing that, you know, my my conduct and my behavior um, is going to be recorded. I mean, it's, there's two ways you can look at that. One, an, an external um, correction you know, can take place, you know, as far as, you know, the individual not, you know, taking it upon themselves to to actually self-correct, um, you know, in, in this jurisdiction. I mean, I, or I would say, you know, even on this planet, but primarily, um, you know, where we are, we are now, um, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be, um, placed upon you. Now, the other thing is, you know, just respect to having to deal with that in in the first place. And I I know I've said this, um, you know, a number of different times to a number of different individuals. Um, You know, you got to develop a sense of responsibility and you have to be accountable for your own actions. You know, at the end of the day, um, it's one thing to know that well i'm I'm going to do the right thing because you know there's an external explicit fear of consequence that um or or acknowledgement that there's a consequence, and um you know whoever's in this said position of authority you know they have the you know the will to um actually execute that, but it's something completely different for those things to well up in yourself. Um, it's truth that, you know, I'm responsible for, you know, my my reality. I'm responsible for my life circumstance, both good and bad. And, you know, if the circumstance isn't, you know, something that is agreeable, you know, then I, I need to search myself. I mean, that, that normally that doesn't, that doesn't happen, you know, and, and, you know, again, with, you know, what we're learning here, what we're discussing here, you know, it's all designed to um, bring about an awakening in the individual to understand that, you know, law is something um, that is not, it should not be applied to you. Um, You know, you 
and your uh, how you carry yourself and, and your conduct, you know, from day to day, those acts and that way of being should be an expression of law. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's one thing to have have that hand over your head, like you know, I, I'm, you know, we're dealing with um, a surveillance state, um, but at the end of the day. Uh, you know, the laws for the lawless, bottom line. So, um, I yield. Man, I like the way you put that. Praise the Lord. The laws for the lawless. That's what the people don't understand that Paul is trying to say. They People keep thinking there's this huge misconception that Paul is preaching against the law and saying that the, the laws are thrown away with. No, what he's really trying to say is the law is for the lawless, and if you are not lawless, then the law doesn't apply to you. Meaning, I've met people in my life in Detroit who have never had a traffic ticket, never been to jail. I've met these, now they're older folks. (laughs) Now, of course, there are younger folks who don't even have a license but a couple of years that, that don't have tickets and jail and all that. But my point is, it's because when you don't break the law, there's no reason to get a ticket, to get a fine, or to go to jail, let alone prison. Hopefully that makes sense. Now listen, I want to say it again. What if every tweet, every post you put on Facebook Everything you read and then you share and you repost and you claim is the truth. Everything that you propagate out of your mouth. What if you were brought to a court every single time you share one of these things? And if it is found that these things are untrue, that you will be put to death. How many of those posts and reposts would you stand on and put your life on? Are you willing to lay down your life for what you say is the truth? Think about that. I would hope that that would make you think twice about reposting and posting those things that you would do a little bit of investigation, that you would learn to keep your mouth closed and your actions to yourself until you could verify everything that you are believing in, claiming, propagating as truth. What do you think, Brother E.K.? Shalom, Brother. Yes, sir. Um, And this is going back to, again, like this the standard that the scriptures really set forth in terms of um, being obedient, you know, in terms of your conduct and your character and making sure that, you know, you're studying to show yourself approved in terms of making sure like everything that, you know, you express through your conduct, through your behavior, through your speech is backed by not only facts, but is also backed by a strong conviction in being obedient to the will of the most high so to speak and so if and because there's a very relaxed 
um, I want to say, uh, way of handling a lot of people in terms of uh, the expression that people may may express in terms of what they say and not being held accountable and not being held responsible for a lot of the things that they say. It's almost like people can say whatever they want and do whatever they want and not be held accountable. Um, and when that's a culture that's been propagated and then it, it causes a lot of this disarray and this confusion and this chaos. And so seeing as though that the law is for the lawless, that it would behoove us to know like if the law is really to maintain the civil order, then it's really in our best interest to maintain in that civil order. So there's a structure of truth that's always consistent and has been validated and proven over the course of time. And it would minimize the uh, you know, inception of a lot of false witnesses and lies and all these different things that you know would permeate people's consciousness, so to speak. And so I think that, you know, if we look at, and this is something that we've learned, you know, throughout the nation that like every day that we are walking our path is a court case. And so every day, imagine that before you wake up, you're swearing to tell the truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God, which is what is happening in the courtroom. And before you walk out your door, your oath to the most high and to the universe is to, under the pains and penalties of perjury, that you will tell the truth, nothing but the truth, and how you conduct yourself and how you, you know, converse with other people outside of yourself and even to yourself internally. And so if we're holding ourselves to that standard right before we even walk out our respective residences every single day, we are already that much there in maintaining the law. And we wouldn't have to uh, subject ourselves to this pressure of, you know, trying to escape when we may have done something wrong because we were already do, we we're already on the right track. We're already on the right path the moment we woke up and the moment before we even walked out the door. So if we look at our life as a court case and everything that you do before you, you know, leave that door, you're swearing, you're giving an oath. And now the universe is going to hold us accountable to the actions and the things that we're doing to make sure that we are consistent with the with with the sworn testimony that we that we've done, you know, in the beginning of our day, and it's no different in the actual courtroom when before someone is taking a stand to testify, they are making they're testifying to the fact that whatever that they are being probed or questioned is actually truth that they're presenting to everybody to 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 see, right, and so. That's sort of how we have to look at our lives as well. Like our conduct and our behavior is representative of the truth that we're looking to express, you know, and are we in obedience with what the Most High has set forth for us throughout the generations um, that came before us and how this law has been preserved for so many centuries that it's in our best interest to maintain in conformity with that. And that's how we get the blessings. That's how we get the everlasting life. That's how we get out of these burdens. That's how we get out of these conflicts that keep plaguing us over and over and over again. And when we are thinking about that in that uh, context, 
it goes back to the original uh, discussion we opened up with that like the movie in the minority report before you even act whatever you're going to act the thought has already been suppressed so it's almost like okay now before we walk out our, our respective residences, if we already sworn that we are going to tell the truth to nothing but the truth, we've already casted away all of the things that is not going to interfere with how we would express that truth. There would be no interference whatsoever. And so if we look at how that movie is sort of showing us how we can stop the action before it even happens just by policing our thoughts, but when we're when we are swearing to the most high in the universe that we are not even going to do that, we've already eliminated the ability of those negative thoughts or that interference to creep up and do what it was trying to convince us to do otherwise. So that's how we can look at how we look at our lives every single day as being a court case and ensuring that whatever we are expressing in the form of how we conduct ourselves, how we treat each other is in nothing but the truth. With that, I yield, brother. Party report, and if you saw the movie, <clears throat> almost in a psychic, futuristic type of way, um, astral projection, and different things like that, if I remember correctly. But if I'm wrong, please forgive me. I want to. Just state this to you so you can get this in your mind. Now, I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to deviate slightly, but I think that there's some things you need to know that contributed to the idea in my mind of talking about this subject. There's a brother of ours, Brother Justin, who is away on a little vacation and he I spoke with him today and while he's away on vacation um, I made it so that he could log in to our online university and go over the classes right uh, each class week by week now, in doing this, listen to me. Listen to me good. In doing this, just so happens, I see a message from another brother in the in the nation that I thought I responded to, but well, a couple of messages, but I realized that I didn't. I'm, well, there's some errors going on, but he didn't get the responses. So I decided to call him because this matter seemed like it was very serious and it, ha it has to do with court. Okay, now listen, everybody, please, please listen. The brother tells me about this attorney, this law firm, this, I guess you say a bank or, or loan institution and something that took place a couple of years ago, and now they're trying to sue him 
for basically $40,000. Now, listen good. They go into court to sue him for $40,000 and they ask for a summary judgment. Now, if anybody knows anything about law or whether you know or not, hopefully I can explain this that it'll make sense to you. A summary judgment is exactly that. A, a, a summary of what is owed and what the offenses are, and they're asking the court to just rule on that. We don't even have to go in there and argue, judge. We don't have to go back and forth. So when they're doing that, they either don't expect you to show up, and if they do expect you to show up, they do not expect you to be competent enough to speak for yourself in a court. So you present yourself before this court. Instead of representing yourself, you present yourself in front of this court, which is what the brother did. And he explained to me that he went into the university and he went over step by step the exact lessons about how to deal with such a matter and how to write up a court case and go in. Okay, now listen, when you originally go in and, and, and respond to a court case, you can do it as a respondent, as a defendant or whatever, but understand the, the complaining party comes in as a petitioner. Well, if they're a petitioner, then you're a respondent or what, and what have you. The original thing that they open is a petition to the court, okay? So in this case, they petition the court. They want this $40,000, and basically they want this judgment. And not only do they want the judgment, we want it quick. We want it fast and in a hurry. We don't respect this other guy. And even, even this guy or whoever he is, he's probably not going to know anything about the law. This brother maintains his that he is not guilty, that he does not owe these people. Listen to me good. And he maintains this. So one of the things that you learn in the nation is when you're writing your court case, you cite these particular, well, there's one particular case, you cite it at the beginning of your court case to alert the judge that you are not, yes, you are here to present yourself, but you are not, don't hold me to the same astringence that you would an attorney, okay? Now, you're taught that in the nation. Now, he, he cites this in his documents, if I'm understanding them correctly, but he also recites it live on the floor on the record while the stenographer is typing because it's a it's a it's a court of re, of recorded rec is a court of records all courts are supposed to be courts of records if they are not where they if they don't have a stenographer then you know something's up something's not right with that court anyway he said he he recites this to the judge and the judge smiles and is happy. And part of that is that he said 
Judge, I'm not, you know, basically saying don't hold me to some standards of an attorney, you know, um, but not only just that, but just don't negate me. No matter what status, I'm trying to get this out. Please bear with me. No matter what status I am in, do not just overlook what I'm saying here. Don't overlook it and just give them a summary judgment. So basically what will happen is if you don't know what to say or how to approach approach a situation and a major debt is on you and they're suing you in court like this, there are certain things that you can do and say to prevent them from just coming in there and adjudicating it against you. Doesn't matter whether you are the status of a person, bond servant, um, some of you referred to straw man, whatever. None of that. Get all of that out your mind. Just listen to what I'm saying. The judge recognized and respected what he had done and said live on, on the court record, well, guess I can't give you a summary judgment to the plaintiffs, the petitioners told them, I guess I can't give you a summary judgment of $40,000. As this case proceeded, as this court case proceeded, the judge is like, basically, you don't even have evidence that this man owes you $40,000. Now, if you hear what I'm saying, and he was acknowledged as Mr. Israel, Mr. Ben Israel, live and on the record, acknowledged for who he is. But if you hear what I'm saying, he walks in there with the state of mind after what he has studied and puts it on the record recites it live on the floor, the judge stops them from moving on a $40,000 summary judgment. He, the judge stops it. Now, if you really think about this, if you really think about this, he only went in there and wrote some things on a piece of paper and said a couple of words. But the judge recognized he was competent enough to do so. So, as a result, the judge stopped and prevented a summary judgment. Mr. Lynn, can you share whatever input you might have on that? Because my understanding is that you were present when uh, he was explaining this and um, without going too deep into the personal thing. Um, I'm I'm not aware of this, brother. You're <laughs> not. I'm I'm not. I'm sitting here listening intently. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe I misunderstood. I thought he said he he. I thought he told. Well, I thought he said he said that in class last night. But nonetheless, whatever the case is, the judge worked in the favor of our brother, a Negro, 
in America, whereas most of you might see this, that you're being sued and you're so scared to go into court, you don't even show up and you get a summary judgment against you and you didn't even put up a fight. And what I'm saying to you is truth versus falsehood. Where's the real fight? Where is there? How, how can falsehood stand up to truth? You have the burden of proof upon you as a petitioner. If you're going to sue somebody, you better have proof. Now, the fact that you tried to sue this man and you don't have all the proof and the judge is like, well, basically, hey, you, you, uh, I'm trying to help you, <laughs> Mr. Dirty, low down snake in the grass attorneys. Trying to help you. Do you have any evidence? Can you bring any evidence at all? So what typically will happen is they'll dismiss a case without prejudice. Now, what you all think is racism and prejudice, you, what you think is racism is not racism. I won't go into that. It's law. They're using law terms. They're using law terms. It's prejudice. So without prejudice means that you can come back to the court at any time and bring this to me. If you do have some evidence, you can reopen the case, basically. I'm giving you this chance, but I don't really think you have this. They can't appeal it. They can't appeal to a higher court. So now they're they're stuck. But this is a win. Now, I've done this with people directly by just talking to them and telling them what to do. And some of them have won. Now, not only that, he checked with a paralegal after following exactly what he learned in this nation. And the paralegal is telling him now he can sue them for coming against him. Now, listen, any this is to all of those out there who have um court cases against you um people suing you you got to understand something and i'm not joking at all when i say this over 70% of the time some of these people are going to bring you into court on based on complete lies and you lose by default because you are ignorant to law. I'm not insulting you. You are un, you are unaware of law. You're not in that mind state. You get afraid. You feel like you cannot fight them. This brother went in there by himself. Himself. He went in there alone. He stood on the truth. And this is the result. What I'm saying to you is sometimes you have mortgages, credit cards, car loans, whatever, student loans, whatever. Sometimes these people come in there under false pretenses, counting on you to be ignorant and afraid, not counting on you to stand up for yourself and speak for yourself. The point of this is, 
if he were under this minority report rule or if the opposing party was under the minority report rule if he is found lying or deceiving and he actually stole his money somehow and he's like how how can i steal forty thousand dollars and i don't have any evidence of having forty thousand dollars <laughs> but if the other party is found to be a liar then they can suffer the punishment of death what do you think brother lynn Shalom up. I mean, yeah, there there it is again. Um, You know, a lot of these uh, circumstances that we we come in contact with, you know, particularly the the ones that are uncomfortable, you know, they're they're there to um, promote growth, you know, and and development. And, um, you know, again, just in thinking about you know, the fact that, uh, you know, the scripture, the law for the lawless, you know, you know, you, you continue to run into these situations because they are opportunities for, uh, for growth or to correct that mind state. And, you know, that, that's essentially the reason why, um, collectively we're in the condition that we're in because to your point, you know, we don't, it, it, it's not a priority for us to manage our own affairs. You know, it's not a priority uh, for us to be able to, uh, you know, dispose of our, um, you know, matters, both both, um, both public and, and private. And, you know, unfortunately, we, you know, from time to time, you know, we smart, we smart from that. But, you know, the, the, the instruction that we get, you know, here um, in the nation, you know, again, it's just designed to promote a mind state to be able to sidestep some of these life circumstances that we find ourselves in due to, you know, ignorance or, you know, just being unawares or what have you. You know, again, a scripture that comes to mind is, you know, when I was a child, you know, I spake as a child, I did childish things, but when I became a man, um, you know, I, I, I put those things away. And, you know, being able to um, present yourself, uh, being able to, you know, express yourself um, in those arenas, um, you know, from a, from a standpoint of a, of a favorable outcome, I mean, I think that's the best way to prepare for one um, is just to be, you know, competent in those matters and, and really for that to be a priority. You know, if you, if you, you know, if you're thinking that you're going to um, continue to have a, a, a life circumstance, particularly with our people, <laughs> um, just due to the level of, you know, miseducation. If you think you're going to have a life circumstance where, um, you know, you don't run into these issues, you know, you know, may, maybe you will, maybe you won't. But it's always better to be prepared and not have to 
um, you know, applied skills in said area versus, you know, having the opportunity thrust upon you and, you know, the only thing that you can do is capitulate because, because you're incompetent. So uh, those are my thoughts, brother. Yeah. Thank you, sir. And the point that I want to make to stick in everyone's minds that are listening is that all this stuff that you hear out there about this sovereign this and that, a great deal of that is a bunch of patriot myths that were brought to this country by the same people doing the, the um, well, when they uh, dumped the tea in the water, when they uh, did what they call a peaceful um, revolution, I guess, the Boston Tea Party thing, the same people that tried to escape the United Kingdom and come over here and start 13 colonies, these same people were carrying on, I know for those who might be in that field, it might be offensive. It's not intended to offend you. But these same patriot myths made it so that the people didn't understand that they never expatriated from the United Kingdom when they came over here. So what what eventually happened is that the Confederate from the Union Jack, United Kingdom, became the federal government of the United States of America because the people that call themselves founding these 13 colonies actually never expatriated and they owed debts and even though they were complaining about taxation without representation the reason why <laughs> it should be obvious you cannot break taxation without representation of expatriation from those who hold tax responsibilities over you. I'll leave that at that. It, uh, I don't want to get too deep. Listen, you can, don't try this at home until you study this. Some of you may study with us. Some of you will study on your own. I don't advise you to study on your own, but if you do, listen. Every time they use your government name, or whatever name you do business with. If these people are coming to sue you for credit cards, housing loans, loans of any kind, and they are using your name improperly, written in the law books, go look up the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. For every use Every written use of your government slash straw man name, you can sue them for some money. Now listen, 
I want you to think about something. What if they come after you in court, right? They they say they're gonna sue you in court, and they're gonna automatically they're probably gonna come with a summary judgment up front because they're gonna expect you to be incompetent or afraid. What if you counter sue them? Listen, this is how you offset it commercially. That even if you are guilty, if they are guilty, how you still win. So let me give you an example. If you do legitimately owe them $40,000, if you do legitimately, but yet they owe you $80,000 for all the violations and all the lies that they told in this record. <laughs> Not only do, does the, the debt that you actually owe get wiped out, but you walk out with money. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about theory. I'm talking about things that I have done with people. The the late the last one that I've done has been some years ago, but the brother won $32,000. Basically doing the same thing that I'm talking about here. Now, if you understand and you ask them, whoever's on the other side, in written format to swear under oath that they have the ledger, the account number, the proper uh, transfer uh, conveyance papers that prove that they, and then they got to have the evidence that you actually owe or whatever. Swear under the pains and penalties of perjury that whoever is the president, the leader, the founder, the construction of whatever said company, bank, so on and so forth, ask them to sign it as well, right? You want them to sign this, and you want these people that are the attorneys to sign this. You want anybody that says this coming after you that they're going to swear under the pains of penalties of perjury that they're going to put on this piece of paper that you send them. You send it through, you know, after you, the, the court process is going on that they're telling the truth. Because what they do is they'll hire attorneys and the attorneys are swearing and the attorneys might not actually even believe how I'm explaining this, I hope you're getting it. The attorneys might not actually even believe uh, this, these people's guilt, the people that they're going after. They may or may not. Most of the time, if they're good people, they 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 do believe it. But if you understand what I'm saying, who's going to put that? Now, for every time they have your name in use, and if they are swearing on under oath that they are coming after you correctly, it's like half a million dollars <laughs> that you can win. Every instance now, every instance that you can prove, you can get a judgment against them for millions by doing exactly what I'm saying. Now, I'm, I'm chopping it up how I'm saying it so that you don't go out there and try to injure yourself. But if you can hear past me chopping this thing up, that's where the real power is. Now, what did what just happened here? You're going to find out 
that nobody is going to come into a court and sign their name, be they a corporation or otherwise, and lie in the court on you. Brother E.K., what are your thoughts? Shalom, brother. Yes, sir. Basically, all boils down to truth versus falsehood and, you know, making sure that going back to what the scriptures talks about, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, you know. And so when you present before the court or when you present before the one that is, you know, petitioning that you may owe them something or bringing a claim against you is incumbent on them to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt all the evidence that shows that you are in fact in error. And if it's contrary, then it's really incumbent on them to atone for that in terms of causing injury towards you and damages that has happened to you as a result of their incorrect, um, I want to say incorrect, um, uh, uh, accusation, so to speak. And so, you know, this is why, like, in, in, in a lot of, and just hearing what the brother was just saying, it's like, it all boils down to just truth versus falsehood. Can you tell the truth, falling on the record under the pains, penalties, and perjury before you go and sign and submit this evidence and present it to the court? Then you'll really think twice, because this is going back, circling back to the uh, topic about the minority report. Can you swear up and down that what you're about to present forth is truth and nothing but the truth. And so if truth versus falsehood is the parameter for how we conduct ourselves, then it's really in our best interest to make sure that no matter what we get in, get, in, get involved with, whether we are being accused or whether some or accusing someone, that we have to have beyond a shadow of a doubt proof and facts that's backed up that shows that this is why I'm bringing this case, you know, before, you know, uh, a, a governing body, so to speak. And when you are operating in that capacity, you can see where there may be people that may try to, you know, th there's, there's that standard and there's going to be pressure for people to make sure that they're conforming to what it is to stay in harmony with what truth is. And you're not going out here just lying on someone's name. You're not here creating uh, false accusations because truth versus falsehood is really the crux of the matter at the end of the day. And everything that, you know, that's been explained, when you really weave through the intricacies and the procedures, it's really about arriving at a place of truth. You know, did I owe this debt? Or did I not owe this debt? And if I did, where's my signature? Where's my time? Where's the time and date stamp that proves that I had this conversation via email or a registration form or a checkbox that shows that I accepted the terms and conditions or agreements of this said contract? Tell me when and where this happened. Show me the proof. You know? And so when you are placing that burden on when you're placing that burden on someone that's trying to accuse you of owing a debt or whatever the case may be, or if they're accusing you of something, show the proof that I have been in error, that I've caused you uh, damages, you know? And that's really going to show where, in fact, they're actually 
telling the truth or they're not telling the truth. And just like our dear brother had just mentioned previously, that a lot of times they're preying on the fact that we may be ignorant to the reality of why they're doing some of the things that they're doing because of the fact that we may not know about the law. But the law is always summed up to truth versus falsehood. And if you're standing in the frame of mind with that, something as simple of drafting an affidavit or a written qualified written request that, that says, look, show me that I'm in error of, show me the proof that I'm in error of this debt that I owe. Just like how we had that example of the brother in the nation that actually was able to do something very simple, did not utilize an attorney, but was able to get remedy on his behalf because the judge recognized the competence the competency that was being displayed because he was standing on the principle of truth versus falsehood. I know I didn't do anything, so I have nothing to prove unless it's proved, unless it's judged that I have to show proof of why I'm not, of why I feel like I'm telling the truth. So that's really what it boils down to. And this is really what allows us to really see what's going on around us. Is it truth or is it falsehood? And no matter what, there has to be evidence beyond a shadow of a doubt that continues to support what we're trying to present, so to speak. And before we act on something, to make sure that we know for a fact that what we're getting ready to do is a righteous thing, you know? And so tying it all the way back to what, you know, the movie Minority Report was all about and what we're opening up with, what if we are held to a standard that if all these things that we tweet, all these things that we post, and all these other things that we may do on social media or just day by day, what if we're brought into court and if we're found guilty, what the consequence of that would be? And so showing these examples of what above of ours in the nation has demonstrated and how there's experiences and accounts of different you know, firms or corporations that try to bring people to court and issuing false accusations, false statements to obtain some type of quote unquote money, you know, and, and extort money from different people. And because we may not know about the law, we succumb to that pressure. But if we stand on the truth and push the burden back on them to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am in error or I, all these types of debts or I'm in, uh, you know, um, if I'm in damage of whatever you're bringing before me as far as accusations, then yes, I will do what I have to do to make sure I restore that, but otherwise prove that I'm in error. And that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. And that's really what a lot of this is trying to show us. So that way we understand that we don't have to be taken advantage of and we understand that as long as we're standing on the path of truth and promoting that, then we can obviously offset some of these issues that we get ourselves involved with. With that, brother, I yield. Thank you, sir. Brothers and sisters, there are a lot of people out here that are claiming to be sovereigns and claiming that they claim their nationality using a UCC Uniform Commercial Code UCC1 document 
You do not claim nationality using a UCC-1. It's not for that purpose. The Uniform Commercial Code laws have been adopted since, what, 1974, I think, in this country. And the Uniform Commercial Code laws are the ancient Hebrew commercial code. Doesn't matter if you believe in the Bible or not. Doesn't matter if you believe in a God or not. These are facts that can be verified. UCC1 filings, hold harmless agreements, indemnity agreements. Usually those, those things are used by people of stature for reasons that are valid. Doctors can use them. Engineers can use them real estate agents, and this theory of this UCC filing was created by one Roger Elvick, E-L-V-I-C-K. I've been around this thing. I'm from Detroit. Michigan is full of these said patriots, these said sovereigns and, and militias. I've been around this all my life. So um over 30 years experience of being around people like this and seeing them constantly go to prison and jail for all this folly and foolishness. But when you do it correctly and you know how to do it properly, you're not going to have these problems. There's nothing to argue with judges about. None of that. None of that. So if you know people that you listen, brother Lynn, Oh, I don't see him. Actually, I'm going to ask somebody randomly. I, I'm not sure who this is. Um, James? James, are you on the line? Oh, brother. This is uh, Brother Justin. How you doing? I'm all right, brother. How are you, sir? You okay? Yes, yes. I'm doing all right. I'm doing good. I was just talking about you, um, you know, being away at the beginning, being away on the vacation and how when I was logging you in, I saw this brother's message that I thought I was responding to. And this is what sparked all this today. But I got a question to ask you. Have you ever written a check to pay for something? Yes. Okay. If you've written a check to pay for something, <laughs> Have have you ever? Well, that might be a little bit too personal. I'm not gonna ask it. If you write a check and you give them the check, it is assumed that those Federal Reserve notes are in that account. Is that correct? Absolutely. Okay. For all of you that don't understand this, whenever you, a, a check is a non-negotiable instrument. Because it's finite. Now I know some of you say that it you hear that it is a it is a negotiable instrument. That it can continue to be re renegotiated in a sense. If you write a check and try to pay for something, the check is gonna bounce, right? So, brother Justin, have you heard of people going to jail for this? 
for for writing bad checks? Have you ever heard of that? Uh, actually, I have recently. Oh yeah, can you give us an example? Um, I was, I was, it was something online. I, I was, I was looking into. Um, I can't, I can't remember what it was, but uh, it's based. It's, uh, I mean, it's kind of like a like debtor prison, you know. Um, which mm-hmm. I don't know if it's if it's right to do or not, but it's kind of like a debtor. It's kind of like sending you to uh, the jail over debt. It's kind of like debtor prison. Uh, I forget what they did exactly. Uh, but but the check it, it was no good. The check bounced, uh, and of course they couldn't pay whatever the taxation was or whatever was being held over them. Whatever they were in debt to, they couldn't pay, um, and they got incarcerated for it. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was. But it was this this. Uh, I think I read it recently, and I remember a situation like this happening a few years ago. And you actually had a podcast about it as well, I believe. That is correct. <laughs> yeah, this was some years ago. I'm surprised you can remember that. But yeah, so listen, why am I bringing this up? Everybody listen. You know how they tell you you could write those bonded promissory notes in that sovereign world? And you could write those negotiable instruments? Guess what? You contracted for those debts Whatever those debts are that you created, or however they got there, they're there. Now you say that you want to discharge them or pay them off with a bonded promissory note or some type of negotiable instrument, some type of so-called negotiable instrument. It's just like writing a check with no money in the bank. Oh, you say, oh, but I opened up my treasury account. I sent this in. The the, the registered mail number is my account number. I know the whole jargon. But let's use some common sense. Why are these people going to prison for doing that stuff? Because it's money laundering. It's fraud. It's counterfeit. It's counter fiat, fake fiat. Fiat is already fake, but it's fake, fake. <laughs> and you think <laughs> you're going to pay somebody off with this promissory note or whatever so-called sovereign negotiable instrument they say that they have because the United States owes them money. They're operating off of their credit. Believe me, I I know this top to bottom because I've been around it for like 30-something years. It's just like writing a bad check, and that's why they, they go to prison. I know somebody that did this. I have the newspaper article to prove it. I begged the individual not to do it. He tried to get a brand-new Mercedes with one of these promissory sovereign instruments got proof that he was gathered up and put in jail placing liens and commercial liens on uh, government officials and police and judges listen you have to have a signature and a contract 
that you have a verification wet ink signature and a contract between self and the other party. And you have to have proof that that other party breached that contract. Then you have to have proof that you served them administrative process, giving them the opportunity to atone and, and correct the problem. And then once you do that, then you have to take that process with that contract before a judicial review. Once you get the judicial review, I know that this language is not going to be understood by everyone, but I have to say it because we got to stop this sovereign madness. The, once the thing is, and I know you're not going to understand what I mean by judicial review. Once there is a judicial review and it is proven that this, uh, the, this was done correctly, the process was done correctly, then you can per, uh, you can have this converted into a commercial lien. Not before. Do you hear me? Not before. So stop these people that you see doing this. Stop them. Uh, stop them from doing this. What? As a matter of fact, you can get a judge to help you place this lien, or you take the lien to a, a sheriff or a, a clerk and have them convert it to a judge's order or something of that nature. And you can go down and shut somebody down, have them arrested and put in prison or put in jail, rather, until they are brought to trial. Or different ways you can do it, okay? But my point to this is the stuff that you're hearing out there that's telling you to go down and do a UCC1 commercial lien and put it on that judge or on that cop, do not do that stuff. There's a proper chain of events that must happen. And no, I did not learn this from sovereign materials. I actually learned it from reading the real laws. Uniform Commercial Code control, uh, um, governs com, uh, contract law. It is adopted in most states, in, I think all 50 states by now, in the United States of America. It only applies to commercial contract law. It only applies to contracts. Okay? Don't get this confused with the United States Constitution, statutes at large, and all of that. Back away from any of these people that are calling themselves sovereigns. Back away from them. Do not go out there and start doing paperwork and trying to do these things that these people are telling you you're going to get yourself into a world of trouble. To this date, this is, what, 2019? So in seven, eight years, no one in this nation that has followed instructions about how to do these things and deal with these issues has gone to jail, prison, or anything if they follow what they learn in here. Now, if they go out there and start doing other stuff, that's, you know, at their own risk. One last point. HJR 192 states basically that all the persons, what happened was they had all the persons, not all the people, they had all, had all the persons turn in their gold. Okay? The persons turned in their gold, and in exchange for that, eventually they came up with HJR 192. 
House Joint Resolution. A resolution is not a law. So you cannot go anywhere and use a resolution to get remedy. Eventually, the resolution was turned into a law. If you know the law, then you already know, then you should know that that is already built into this society. And anyone who is under the status of bond servant, taxpayer, straw man, whatever you want to call it, slave, can utilize this and cause the United States government to remove those debts off of you and they will handle it. Do you deserve the knowledge of this information just because you exist and live and breathe? No, you should study to show thyself approved. You should correct what is within you. Final point. This minority report, report that I'm talking about. Stopping you from doing future crimes. By thinking about the consequences of everything you do and say, of everything you tweet and put out on Facebook and post and repost and retweet, of everything you claim as truth, you need to stop, think, and examine and go a little deeper. Because although I'm saying this in a hypothetical way, it is actually real. You just don't see that every time you tell that rehashed lie as truth, every time you tweet and do all of that, you are developing karma, for lack of a better way to explain it. And your soul is under a judgment every single day that you live and breathe and walk this earth. Has nothing to do with whether you believe in a God or not or scriptures or not. Nothing at all. So when things are going wrong in your life or you think that they're going wrong, you don't equate that to what you did, some dastardly deed you did to somebody else or that lie you told or all this propaganda that you're doing to spread hate. You're destroying your own soul and your people. And you need to rethink it. And you die a slow death spiritually every single time you do that. You need to rethink what comes out of your mouth and what you're sharing, and you need to look at it a little deeper. Because you know the other day with the thing where uh, Nancy Pelosi, did you see the ZK? Was supposedly with Charles Manson. Did you see the ZK? I did not see that. <laughs> okay, well, they got a thing out that was floating around Facebook, or so I'm told. I did not see this myself, but I was told by a close, reliable source that Nancy Pelosi, or however you say her name, was allegedly with Charles Manson. Um, and then they show a picture of that, that's supposed to be her, and it's supposed to be her at a younger age. And they, they circle it, 
This is what I'm told. I haven't seen it. So first thing I do is I ask, well, what's the source? Second thing I do is I say, wait a minute. You're telling me this is on Facebook, but it's not in mainstream news. As much as they're attacking this woman, you don't you know that this will be all over the TVs and, and newspapers if this was true? I still don't know if it's true or not, but it doesn't seem to be true to me. So let me dive into it and investigate a little bit before I make a decision as whether this is true or false. I couldn't find one shred of evidence that supported that that was her at a younger age by a legitimate news source. Still doesn't mean it is not true. But until I find and present, I am presented with some facts, I choose not to believe it and I choose not to disregard it. That doesn't mean that it's true. I don't have any evidence or not true. I don't have the evidence to take a stand on it. How about we implement this into our lives? Because the whole idea of a judgment day is that everything you do, every thought you have, is there a future judgment day? Well, listen. Everything you do brings about a judgment against you every day that you walk. And if you pile up all this stuff on your soul, you think you can have some happiness and some peace, but you don't. You think money is your savior, but just had enough money. That's not going to save one single problem. It might get you some medical attention, a bigger house. Okay, cool. It might save your life in that sense, but it will not save your soul. I want to acknowledge Brother Robert in Israel in, in the nation. Um, he recently, as I'm told, uh, lost his mother. Our prayers and positive energies need to go out to our brother. Um, he's a diplomatic officer of the nation, and um, we love him and respect him and keep our prayers and positive energies flowing for our brother. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being here. I hope that this has helped you. Um, if you think it has, please share this recording with others. All praises to the Most High Almighty. Thank you for listening. Shalom, shalom. Shalom. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.